If we haven't met already, I'm Melanie, I'm married to Stuart, and together we moved here to start Real Life Church. Um, I'm a mummy, I have two boys, they are seven and five, Uh, one's in year one and one's in year three. Um, I look after um, the young here, so that's naught to 18s, and on our books there are 90 of them. So I look after 90 beautiful young men and young women and look after the team leaders and just make sure our syllabus is good and child protection and all those kinds of things. Um, And I look after what we do in the community. So what we do out on the high street or what we do at Sutton Games or basically being good to our community. So those are my two areas. They're my favorite areas in church life, to be honest. So um, it, it is the most fun. I've called this message this morning Unleashed. And I hope all the way through it, you'll understand why. But also my prayer this morning is that God would unleash us as a church and that we would take who he is and who we are in him just out into our worlds, whatever that looked like. Um, Both our boys, Levi and Asher, walked early, so they crawled at seven months and walked at ten months, which was so exciting at the time and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is the most exciting thing ever and going and choosing first shoes and them tottering around. But what it meant was by the age of one, both of my boys could run. Um, And so what it meant was we had babies effectively unleashed. So wherever we went, they, I mean, and Levi was fast at one. So I would be panting to keep up with him and he was unpredictable. So one minute he'd be walking, the next minute he'd be off. Um, He was fast, he was quick, he was curious. They both thought that everything was a game. So while they're walking towards open water or a busy road and you chase after them yelling no, they just thought that was hilarious. They weren't anywhere near the age where you would see that as dangerous or stop in your tracks. And even if I was screaming at the top of my lungs, they still would be laughing and running and thinking it was the most fun. So we had babies effectively unleashed free range and getting up to all sorts of things and thinking that it was hilarious. So this is what I think God wants to say to us this morning. Uh, I believe that God wants to unleash his church and he wants them free range and he wants them getting up to all sorts of things in his world. I, I believe that he wants the church to love by the spirit and give away the fruit of the spirit in its tons. Um, I think that God doesn't want us to work hard at this. He doesn't want us to read books about it, go on training courses about it and work out how to love people and how to be joyful and how to be patient. What he wants us to do is to be soaked in him, full of him. And because he is the kindest person, he is the most loving person, the most gracious person, the most patient person, when we're full of him, this stuff just grows in our life and affects our world 
I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to a couple of places. If you don't have your Bible with you this morning, don't worry, I'm going to read it to you. If you've got it on your iPhone, get it out. Do not go on Facebook or WhatsApp or whatever else. Stick with me and look at your Bible app. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt if you have your phone on that you are looking at your Bible app and reading this. We're reading from Galatians 5, 22 to 23. If you do not own a Bible, we would love to help you sort that out. So we've got a lot of Bibles you could have a little read of, have a little look at. We would like to make sure that everyone has a Bible and can access it. So Galatians 5, 22 to 23. I'm going to try hard not to sing this because I've been learning the song, The Fruit of the Spirit's Not a Coconut. Um, I'm going to try really hard not to sing this when I say this, okay? Because the kids are learning all about this. So Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Three says this, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit produces, oh no, but the fruit of the Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I want us to have that verse here, but then I want us to get a few things straight alongside that verse. So I want us to have here, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. I I can't help it now. There is no law against these things. And then alongside it, I want to bring some truth. So I want us to keep the fruit of the Spirit there, and then alongside it, I want to bring some truth. So we need to, as a local church, be a people who are powerfully saved, powerfully saved by Jesus. It's not enough to come to church and play the part. It's not enough to be able to just recite what it means to be saved, or it's not even enough that you could tell someone else how to do it and walk them through it. We need to be powerfully saved. We need to be made alive in Christ. And this is not by our own work, for the Bible says it's by grace that you have been saved. So it was Charles Haddon Spurgeon, so along with the other Protestant reformers, who believed that Scripture, so the Bible alone, is our highest authority. That's why we sometimes get you to put it on your heads. And we say, this is above me. This is always above me. I don't judge it. It judges me. I don't tell it what it's to do. I read it and I do what it tells me what to do. This is always above me. I don't work out how to get this to be culturally relevant or I work out how to get my life in line with this. This is always above me. So the reformers believed that scripture alone was our highest authority, that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Quite honestly, I could just stop there, to be honest. It is by grace that we have been saved, not by our own works, but all by the work of Jesus Christ. So keep the fruit of the Spirit here, but I want you to turn to Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. And I want to run us through what it means to be made alive in Christ. And you might be sitting there thinking, man, I've been a Christian for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Why is she telling me about what it means to be saved? The reason being is because we can't start 
showing the fruit of the Spirit if we're not thoroughly saved. We can't start producing these things in our lives if we're not thoroughly saved. We don't have anything else to give to the world if we're not utterly convinced that we ourselves are saved. We don't have anything to offer outside of these doors if we don't know in our heart of hearts that we are loved by God and utterly transformed by him. So Ephesians 2, 1 to 10 says this, once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins, I'm just going to pause there for a moment, you did not find Jesus. And I know there's songs that say that, and I understand what the songs are saying, but it is not true of you, because dead people don't find anything. Dead people don't move. Dead people can't function. You did not find Jesus. You did not go on a hunt for him, a search for him. You did not read a load of books about him. You were not intellectually um, informed by him. What happened was you were dead, and Christ made you alive. It is true to sing, I found Jesus, because I did. But he found me. I found him because he found me. So, once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So there's no good person out there. There are lots of good acts, but there's no one good enough for God. That's what the Bible says. It's really clear. So you might live a good life. You might give to charity. You might be very moral. You might be... The Bible still describes you as dead. Dead in your sin. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everybody else. So just like everybody else, before you were made alive in Christ, you were subject to the anger, wrath, judgment of God, just like everybody else. Just like everybody today who's wandering around doing whatever they do on a Sunday morning, cleaning the car, going shopping, subject to God's anger and God's wrath. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in the future ages as in examples of his incredible wealth and his incredible grace and kindness towards us. So that's what God does on the earth. He points. He says, look at my grace. Look at my kindness. Look at my goodness. Look at my patience. Look at my love. And he does it in our lives. That's what he does when we're out and about. He's all the time pointing. And he's saying, look at my love. Look at what I'm like. Look at my kindness displayed in the life of men and women who know him. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. 
For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece in Jesus. So that we can do the things that he planned for us long ago. It doesn't matter what kind of story you have. So it doesn't matter if you sit there and you have a story that says, I grew up in church, I have always known about God, and at some point I prayed a prayer and gave my life to Jesus. And I have done that eight or ten times because I made it when I was five, and so I've had to pray that prayer. Multiple. It doesn't matter if that is your story. It doesn't matter if you have a background where you have got up to all manner of things, and at some point God broke into your life. It doesn't matter if you had a dream one night and you were going about your normal everyday life and you went to sleep and God spoke to you in a dream. It doesn't matter if you went to New Day or you stood up here or you did it in your bedroom or wherever you were. What matters is once you were dead and now you are alive. What matters is the finished work of Christ for you in your place for all your sin. Your story is amazing, not because of where you came from, but because of who saved you. Salvation stories ought to major on Jesus. They ought to major on his work in our lives and what he's like and what he's done and how he has transformed us. Not look at how dreadful I was and look at how amazing I am now. Those are the kinds of stories that often make you feel like if you don't have that dramatic story that you don't have a great story. And that's, for me, that almost makes my blood boil because I think... Everybody has the most amazing story. You get to say, hand on heart truth, once I was dead, now I am alive. Once I was blind, now I see. That's like, that is breathtaking. Once I deserved all of God's wrath and all of God's judgment and all of God's anger, now I am seated with Christ in heavenly places I get to pull up a chair at a table with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That is my story. That is my song. I did not find him. He found me. And he won me. And he gave me faith so that I could know him. My story is amazing because he is amazing. My story is worth telling because he is worth talking about. And if our story, amen. And if our stories major on him, they're the most amazing stories to tell on the earth. And what I have to offer to everybody else is that story. What I have to bring, what I have to give. It's not my perfect life. It's not that I work hard. It's not that I presented this immaculate Christian living. It's that actually Jesus is amazing and he grabs hold of someone like me and he causes someone like me to be his masterpiece out in the world that he can point to and say, look at my grace, look at my kindness, look at it in her life. Not look at her house 
or look at what she's wearing or look at what she's amassed. Look at my kindness in her life. Look at my kindness in his life. So we need to be powerfully saved. And I don't mean that you need to have a story that says, I got up to all sorts and then Jesus broke in my life. You need to have a story that says once I was dead and now I am alive. If you don't know that about yourself, if you're not clear that once you deserved all of God's wrath, all of God's judgment, all of God's punishment, and now you are set free. If you don't know that about yourself, if you don't know that once you were dead and now you are alive, you need to sort that out in this room today. You need to say to Jesus, and it might be the tenth time you've prayed the prayer, or the second time, or the first time. You need to say to Jesus, I am sorry for the life that I have lived and for ignoring you and going about and doing whatever I pleased. And I want to say thank you for dying on that cross in my place for all of my sin. And I want to ask you to come into my life and make me new. And I want to live for you. I want to run alongside you. I want to be someone you point at and say, there's an example of my kindness and my grace If you can't answer that question, I would say this morning, why don't you talk to Jesus about it and answer it? If you're a Christian but you're unsure about whether or not you're going to heaven, whether or not you're actually saved, I would say you need to clear that up today. Because we can't display fruit of the Spirit in our lives if we're not actually saved. We can't grow those things in our lives. Is that all right? Amen. Don't you just love Jesus? I was prepping this and I was thinking, I would just stop there. I would just stop there and just worship him. Like his work in us is outrageously good. And sometimes, especially when we've been a Christian a while, we take for granted things that are breathtaking. The finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, in my place, all my sin is breathtaking and should blow us away week by week by week. Even if we sang the same songs week in, week out, it should blow us away week by week by week that we are saved and loved by him. It's the only place, I think, where we don't have to run around working hard because he did it all for us. It should be the place where we take a breath and go, oh, I'm home. In his presence, knowing we're totally saved and it's all on him. It should be the place where you breathe. I think church should feel like that. No matter what's going on around you, you kind of walk in and go, I'm home. That's why when you're looking for a church, it should have that feel of home where you go, ah, I've come home because I'm amongst the people that know that they've been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, to the glory of God alone. Next, we need to be totally soaked and filled and filled and filled and filled again by the Spirit. So turn, if you can, to Ephesians 5, 15 to 20. I want you to keep the fruit of the Spirit here. Love, joy. I I just want to keep it here and then I'm going to pull it back in in a minute. Ephesians 5, 15 to 20 says this, so be careful how you live. 
Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the Bible's really clear. We're to be filled with the Holy Spirit and we're to live filled with the Holy Spirit. For some people that happens when they get saved. So I've been around people who've prayed that prayer and you've literally felt the Holy Spirit just rush in and totally soak them. For others, it happens weeks later, months later, where they get that total feeling of the Holy Spirit, where they feel like, actually, I, I feel like loads of stuff is making sense. One of the things that happens that I've seen a lot is when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible makes more sense. And they'll say, I feel like my Bible came alive. So if you're sitting there thinking, I'm really struggling with my Bible, it's not the Bible that needs to be sorted out. You didn't need another translation or another set of notes or another. Often it's to do with the Holy Spirit in our lives. Often it's to do with how we approach it. Often it's to do with just needing that kind of soaking and that revelation of God speaking to you about God's word. So if you think you struggle with the Bible or you're just thinking it's boring or you're thinking it's so hard to read, probably what you need is a good soak in the Holy Spirit. Probably what you need to do is pause before you crack it open and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Like this is your word that you've breathed life into, help me. Come and fill me, come and enable me to read this book. So we're supposed to be soaked in the Holy Spirit. And for everybody, like everyone's story, that looks different. And that often looks very personal to you. And so, but you have to be able to articulate it. And that's, that's the thing about an event that happens in your life. You have to be able to articulate it in some way, shape or form. So it could happen when you become a Christian and pray a prayer. And I've been with people where I've seen it just kind of flood in on their lives. And and you've just had to explain what's going on now is you are being filled with the Holy Spirit as you've prayed that prayer. And I, I have seen that. And I wouldn't be afraid if you're helping someone to become a Christian of just inviting the Holy Spirit to come and flood them. Um, I've, I've seen that many times but for others we've got to help people get soaked in the Holy Spirit so we've got to be prepared to pray for people and you've got to be prepared to say okay Holy Spirit come and fill me up come and help me come and flood my life and you've got to sometimes wait which I don't know about you we're not a culture that waits very well I've realized it in shops lately. Everyone apologizes if you've had to wait like one minute or... So I've started saying back to people. So in shops lately, lots of people are apologizing. So sorry about the wait. So sorry you had to wait. So sorry you had to wait two seconds for me to serve you. So sorry. And in Aldi, like if anyone shops in Aldi, man, they are like getting you through. And then you go to Tesco's and you feel like everyone's slowed down to like a... Bloop, how are you? Yep, bloop. And, and you're like, whoa. And then I go to Aldi and it's like... Dip, 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 dip. So 
everybody apologises now for just making you wait. And I, I've started saying back to people, actually, it's fine. I'm not in a rush. I'm absolutely fine with the speed you're going at. I don't mind waiting. I've just started saying it back because I think culturally, we have to have everything so instant. I laughed the other day because I was annoyed with my phone because our internet went down and it was doing all sorts of crazy things. And I was getting so annoyed um, with how long it was taking to load. And then I remembered a time when I had dial-up internet you know, and I was saying to someone the other day, you used to like put your computer to load a new page, go and make a cup of tea, come back, grab a sandwich, because you knew that it was going to take, you know, a little bit of time going. And I used to make this great noise like, and you could literally feel like something was grinding it up inside. That's what we used to live like. And in fact, there was a day when there was no internet and you had to go to the library and get an encyclopedia out and look something up. Or you had something, a question in your head that you never got answered because you couldn't Google it. You just had to live with the fact, well, I won't be able to know everything. So now we're so instant. What everything. Now, now, now. Give me. I want my food quick. I want my internet quick. I want my life quick. I want to know what's going on in your life. I don't actually want to be friends with you. I just want to read about you on Facebook and then I don't have to bother actually talking to you, actually asking questions. People go out to dinner now and just sit on their phones because I don't want to wait to hear you reply. I'm just, I want everything instant. I want relationship, but I don't want to pay the price. I don't want to take the time. I want it instant. I want it now. I want it on my phone. I want it whenever I want it. But I don't want to arrange to meet with you or talk with you or listen to you. And if we're not careful, we can be a little bit like that with God. And be like, well, I prayed for the Holy Spirit to come and nothing happened. So I'm on to the next thing. I actually think sometimes God, what God requires of us is to wait and to sit in his presence and to be And I think sometimes our franticness gets in the way of us actually having some power encounters with God that make our activity much more fruitful. Sometimes we're racing around, doing, 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 where God is like, actually, I'd love a people that be, and I'd love a people that are soaked, and I'd love a people that would function much better out of that. So I said the other week, like, I let my time with God slip on a couple of days because I was just so busy. Got to the end of one of the days and thought to myself, that is the most ridiculous thing. I'm too busy to encounter the power of God and have him soak my life and have him create an activity in me that's way more productive. It doesn't actually make sense to be racing around in my own strength, doing, 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 when actually I can draw on the strength and power of God in my being, being, being. It doesn't actually make sense to be racing around like a loony. And fortunately, two days in, I felt God speak to me about it. So actually, you need to be a woman that bees. Just be in my presence. And then when you're doing, 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 it will be way more effective and every so often, God reigns me in like that and then unleashes me and says, go again. And right now, you might be sitting there thinking, I've been so busy doing, 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 
that I have forgotten to read my Bible, pray, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I can't remember the last time I was soaked in the Holy Spirit. I can't remember the last time I just stood and allowed him to just flood me, fill me up, and then unleash me and send me out. And you might even be feeling like some of what I'm doing is not very effective. So I read my Bible and it's really hard work. I'm snapping at my kids. I'm snapping at my co-workers. I'm, I'm, I'm angry a lot of the time. I'm frustrated. I'm racing here, there and everywhere, but get to the end of my day and I'm not satisfied. I would suggest you need some time out to be with God. You need some time to rest in him, be in him, get soaked in him, and then get up again. And already some of you are sitting there and thinking, but you don't know my life. You don't know how chaotic it is. You don't know what it looks like for me. I don't think it matters how chaotic your life is. There's always time for God because there is time for you to brush your teeth, eat. Most of you watch TV. There's always time for that. There's time because you go on Facebook. There's time because you're on WhatsApp. There's time, but actually often we're choosing to do different things because we're so busy. And I think, I think we, we probably need to cultivate being in the spirit and learn how to do it. And it's especially hard, I think, in a church with lots of young kids around because life has that kind of busy even on a Sunday morning it's got that kind of pace about it where you're like I think we need to learn how to do it as a people I think once we're filled with the Holy Spirit we need to continue being filled over and over again and learn how to do it in our life groups in our bedrooms in the car wherever we are I take long baths. Uh, like, I love to just sit and soak away and read some stuff and pray and just be filled with the Spirit. Just be enjoying him, enjoying his presence, aware of his presence. And we need to learn places to do that. I like to get outdoors. I like my two favorite places are either in the bath or outside. And so I make sure those things feature in my life. I make sure once or twice a week I've got some nice long bath time and I make sure once or twice a week I'm outside somewhere. Me, I just, I love creation. I love fresh air. I just love to kind of soak it up. And so I've got to be creative about how to make that work because, you know, just like you, my life is full and full on. And so I have to work out how to make those things work. What I know is that the fruit of the Spirit grows in my life, is produced in my life when I'm full of God. Not because I work hard to be loving or work hard to be kind or work hard to be patient. If you're already sitting there thinking, I am trying so hard to be patient at work, patient in the home, you've just lost it. You need to go to the one who is so patient and draw from him. You need to sit in his soil and allow those things to grow in your life because you're sitting in him, because you're full of him, because you're grounded in him, because you know you're saved. We don't work hard at these things. We get ourselves in a position where we're in him 
and then those things are produced in our lives, people notice it. So if you're feeling at the end of yourself, if you're thinking, I'm just running out of love, I'm running out of patience, I'm running out of kindness, I find myself over and over again apologizing because I'm, I'm just running out, what you need to do is get yourself back to the place where you can soak in him, be in him, be around him. So what I want to ask this morning is, are you saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone? Can you say with your heart of hearts, I'm saved by him, I'm loved by him, I know him? If your answer is yes, brilliant. Worship him, love him, enjoy him. Live in the good of that. If you're unsure or you don't know, we should get that sorted out with you this morning. So if you're sitting there thinking, I I know I've prayed a prayer, but I certainly don't feel secure in that. I certainly don't feel safe in that. I, I, I don't know that I could articulate that. I don't know that I could say, I am saved by him, loved by him, I know him. If you're in that position, I'd love to help you. You've got life group leaders sitting in this room. You've got group overseers sitting in this room. You've got youth leaders here, kids leaders here. Grab someone and say, I can't say that, but I want to say that. I want to say by faith alone, in Christ alone, that I'm saved. I want to say that. Are you soaked in the Holy Spirit? So have you had that one-off flooding of the Holy Spirit? We call that baptism in the Spirit. So that, that good old soaking in him. And are you being filled by him? Or are you living life in your own strength? Are you running around trying, trying, trying to be loving, to be kind, to show goodness, to, to be patient, And then are you producing this kind of fruit in your life? So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If someone described you, are they the words they would use about you? Would they say you're patient? Would they say you're kind? Would they say you're loving? Would they say you're gentle? Would they say that you show self-control? If not, go back to the beginning. Go back to, am I saved by him? Am I loved by him? Am I full of him? Am I soaked in him? Don't try hard to display those things. Go back. Go back to a place where reading the Gospels, getting soaked in Christ, getting soaked in the Holy Spirit, go back and then come forward again. And I would say I've spent my whole Christian life doing that, getting to a place where I'm busy, 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 and then I go back and I go, oh, Jesus, this is all about you. Let's get filled with him. Let's get soaked in him. Let's be loved by him. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to spend a little bit of time worshipping him. I want us to engage with him, be soaked by the Spirit. If you're sitting there thinking, I don't know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, you're probably not. 
and I would happily help you and I know others around would happily help you too. So we've purposefully allowed a bit more time this morning so that we can get into God's presence so that we can have a good old soaking in him. What God wants to unleash on our world is not a group of very busy A-type people that are running around getting everything done in their own strength. What God has in mind that would be unleashed in the world is a whole bunch of people that know Jesus died in their place for all their sin, that understand it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that I get to live the kind of life that God has for me on the earth. What he has in mind for that world out there that are busy shopping, busy washing their cars, busy doing whatever, is his people full of him. His people producing his fruit so that the world can see how good he is, how amazing he is, and they can cry out, what must I do to be saved? It is not by our effort or hard work that we will see men and women come to know Jesus. It is his hard work and his effort in our lives, wandering around in our world unleashed.